Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people with dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Mary Elizabeth Kelly is an actress who studied musical theater at Northwestern before moving to New York City. She didn't quite land on Broadway, although she did rack up TV credits, performing on Law & Order SVU, Alternatino with Arturo Castro on Comedy Central, and Netflix's Master of None, where she went on a date with Aziz Ansari's character. Kelly and her husband moved to Los Angeles thinking she'd further her acting career, but the COVID-19 pandemic had other ideas. Instead, she found herself on TikTok, where her impersonation skills and mouth-acting parodies introduced her to millions of new fans. Kelly spoke with me about adapting her career from musical theater to TikTok, auditioning for Saturday Night Live in the summer of 2021, developing her first solo live comedy show, and what comes next for her. If you like this conversation, please consider subscribing to my Substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com so you can read bonus commentary on this episode, as well as more comedy news and insights. Thanks in advance, and now that that's out of the way, let's get to it! So, Barry Kelly, last things first, uh, thank you so much for taking time away from TikTok for me. It's necessary. It's necessary to take a break sometimes. And uh, I also need to apologize up front for missing your show last month at Caroline's on Broadway. How dare you? (laughs) It's all right. I forgive you. I forgive you. Now, how how often are you doing live shows? That was my first live show since COVID. Um, I mostly, I I really pre-COVID was just doing like improv performing. Um, So it was that, that was my first ever like real set that I put up, you know, that was longer than like five minutes. So um, yeah, but I'm hoping to do another one in LA soon, um, which is where I am. I'm located. And yeah, I mean, the dream is to do it many more times in maybe some other cities so and of course uh, just looking at your resume and your background I mean Broadway was the dream maybe not necessarily Caroline's on Broadway but you were you were initially aiming for Broadway the Broadway we all know right yeah it was originally I I studied musical theater in college and um loved doing theater growing up and in high school and everything and um yeah, when I first moved to New York after college, I was like auditioning mostly for musical theater and for, yes, for Broadway. Uh, never booked anything on Broadway in theater at all, um, which is kind of why I I started booking like TV and commercials and stuff in New York. And so I was like, oh, I think maybe this is what I'm, I'm made for the screen, mm-hmm. not for the stage necessarily. But but yes, I am a singer, but uh I don't do that quite as much anymore, but. Well, what was, what was the initial plan? Because, you know, you study musical theater at Northwestern Mm. and Northwestern is one of those schools that really encourages uh, internships, co-ops. And every summer it seemed you were landing a high profile internship. 
Yeah. In show business or media. Right, right. What, what was the plan and how did that plan evolve over the course of each summer as you started to see what the real life of show business is like? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it, my my dad, my whole family is in media and advertising. And um, so I grew up definitely, you know, simultaneously wanting to be an actress, but thinking if that doesn't work, then you know, I'll go into media somehow, you know, like I'll just have sort of a nine to five in, you know, some quasi creative field, but more, you know, on, on the production side of things. Um, but with every passing internship, I realized I cannot work in an office. I just can't do it. (laughs) Um, and I loved interning at second city though, because that was very, um, hands-on and we got to see all the shows and, I think when I was interning there was real, I took class too, improv class there. Um, when I was interning there, that was part of like our payment was free improv <laughs> class. And um, that really sparked the comedy side of things for me. I really was like, okay, I don't think I want to be behind the desk here. I think I want to be a comedian and, and, you know, a, a, an actor. Um, so that really helped sort of, shift things more into focus in terms of comedy for me. Um, Cause again, like, yeah, when you go to theater school, it's very, uh, you know, you're, they're not really going like, Hey, let's work on your impressions. You know, it's very like Chekhov and Shakespeare and very serious stuff. And you touch into comedy and all that, but nothing, nothing really contemporary comedy. So um, yeah, second city really kind of, and like I would watch to see all the shows at second city and really just go like, okay, this is where I, this is the dream really more for me now is, is comedy and, and performing like this rather than, you know, the drama side of things. So, so then did you end up studying more at second city or improv mm-hmm. Olympic or, you know, you I moved as, as soon as I graduated, I, I went straight to New York. Um, and so I started, I started taking improv at UCB in New York, okay. um, which I took, all through my, my five years there. Um, Who were some of the yeah. teachers you had? Oh my God. Honestly, do I remember? Erin uh, Jackson, um, Sean Diston. Who else? Natasha Vainblatt. Okay. Um, yeah, I had some awesome teachers. And it, and it definitely validated that feeling I had that I was like, okay, I think I'm good at comedy. Let's see where this goes. Um, and I took a couple character classes there, which also sort of helped me. Um, but improv is incredible in that way because of course you have no idea what you're going to say. And so it really helps you as an actor really just overcome the fear of like, what if I forget a line or, you know, what's the other person going to do in my scene and blah, blah, blah. It really just kind of keeps you on your toes and keeps you like easy and fresh. And so that even just continued to make me go like, okay, yeah, like this is it. This feels good to me. And the decision of moving to New York over LA, that was because of the Broadway dream still or? Yeah. I mean, the thing is I've always really seen myself as like an actor who can sing. Like I'm not a particularly, like even in college, I really wasn't in, the musicals that were like big dancey showy numbers. Like it was really, um, yeah, I think I'm an actor who's able to sing. So I could very easily be in a musical, but I'm not about to, you know, be cast as like topper number six or something, you know? So I, 
I really just sort of wanted the the best of both worlds moving to New York, like the the possibility of being in theater, but also plenty of amazing TV shows and commercials and stuff casting there. So I was like, I can do it all. Um, but then, yeah, once once I started realizing, okay, that's not necessarily because I because I'm not as much like a musical theater person. Right. There's so many other people living in New York who really are that, who are like triple threats, who really that is their like bread and butter is just like musical theater. Um, and it just was turning out that's that wasn't me. So I was like, all right, let's focus focus in on on TV and film and comedy and commercial and move to LA. But even while you were still in New York, you were you were checking off some of those classic New York actor boxes. Like, you can't be a New York actor and not be in the Law and Order universe. Yes, exactly. I, yes. Which there's one were a, you in? It's called Jeans. No, but I mean, which which Law and Order version? Oh, SVU. SVU. Oh, SVU. SVU. Yes, the illustrious SVU. Yeah, it, that was fully like a it's a rite of passage really as a New York actor. And it's like my only um, dramatic credit, which is funny, but Hey, you know, but, but uh, sexual assault is never funny. No, never funny. No, not at all. But that's the thing. Like I do feel like comedy again and having a comedy, having comedy training and, and improv background and stuff. It helps you with the drama. It helps you with the dramatic stuff. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That that's my, my little anomaly. Right. Because <laughs> you were you were having some success, I would say, booking comedic yeah. roles. I mean, being in Master of None, in yeah, a, in a bad date with Aziz Ansari, and who hasn't had a bad date with Aziz Ansari? <laughs> oh my god. That was such a honestly like a wild episode. It was very, very fun. But that was also like, yeah, that was my first real like TV comedy credit. Mm. And so I think that was another sort of validation of like, oh, Aziz Ansari like thinks I, you know, can keep up with these other very funny comedic actresses who are in these other roles, you know, like all like we were all sort of. Did you have you seen the episode? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we're all we're all sort of on like an even playing field kind of. Which right. Is, it's a mo- it's a montage of. Yes. Yes, it's with some really show. amazing comedic actresses. So, um, yeah, that made me feel. And then you also were in Alternatino. Yes. Oh my gosh, with Arturo Castro. He's awesome. Right. Yeah. Now, what was your vocal range like? I mean, you know, you mentioned you're an actor who can sing. And of course, people now know you primarily for impersonations. Yeah. What was your impersonation game like in high school and college when there was no venue for it? Yeah. I mean, really what I was doing for most of my high school and college life in terms of impersonations and impressions was all just entertaining my friends and my family. Like really from the age I was, I've been doing like impressions for my loved ones for my entire life. Like it just is sort of how it's how my comedy sort of manifested itself as a kid. And um, I was a big ham as a kid. Like I really loved just sort of like, you know, mucking it up for people, yucking it up for people. Um, and so I used to do impressions of like, yeah, just like I used to do impressions of fat bastard from, um, 
Austin Powers. Yeah, that was like... Get in my belly? Get in my belly. And yeah, baby, the other, other white meat. Um, (laughs) So I used to do those a lot for like my family because they were big Austin Powers people. Mm. Um, And I used to watch SNL all the time. And, you know, I was in awe of people like Daryl Hammond and, you know, people who were really just transforming into these celebrities. So I never, but I never really put two and two together that that could be like me doing that. You know, Mm -hmm. I just figured, oh, this is just for fun. This is just to make people who know me kind of laugh. Right. Um, So yeah. And my repertoire was really just sort of random. Like I used to do impressions of my friends for my other friends. And um, I used to do like Catherine Hepburn singing. Like, I don't know why, but that was another one I would do. So it was very, I can picture it. Yeah, it was varied and odd um, and really wasn't focused in on any sort of, you know, oh, I could do this as a career or something. It really was just to make people laugh around me. Right, because, you know, you mentioned, you know, you you booked some roles, but but you didn't feel like you were really achieving your potential in New York. And yeah, yeah. You weren't doing the, the typical, like, waitressing hustle. You were a front desk key holder at SoulCycle. I was. Which sounds like a very broad city kind of it job. It is very broad city, yes. Very um, Abby Jacobson energy. Yeah, I was, I don't know how I, like, stumbled into this, but I, well, I, I nannied a lot. Like, so much nannying. That was, like, my major um day job for a long time in New York. And I was sort of like, you know, I want more flexibility in terms of like, you know, I, like an audition would pop up and I'd be terrified because I would have to go like pick a kid up from school and I'd go, Oh God, you know, I'm gonna, this kid's going to be sitting there and the parents are going to be, you know, I felt like it was, it was a big responsibility to be taking care of a kid and, you know, I might be called in at any moment to audition for something. So I was like, okay, you know, maybe a job where there are a lot of actors working there, you know, a lot of people who are in sort of flexible careers. Um, so SoulCycle, I had a friend who was an actor who worked at SoulCycle and I was like, oh, that's actually perfect because, you know, you get free workouts, which is great. Um, you get paid nothing really. I mean, there's really not much at all you're getting paid, but the hours are very, flexible and like I used to do the morning shift like I used to get up at like 4 30 or 5 in the morning and get there at like 5 30 or 6 um and open the studio but then I'd be done by like noon and I'd have an audition in the afternoon or you know so it was very it was much more flexible um and I kind of had co-workers which was fun because when you're a nanny you know your co-workers are children so uh it got a little lonely, you know, being the, the nanny life. So I loved working at, at SoulCycle. I loved working for like a gym. Um, but yeah, after a while I was like, okay, I don't think I need to be doing this anymore. So what was the turning point where you decided, okay, enough of New York. I've got to go Hollywood. Gosh, I mean, a lot of factors. I think the first, yeah, was that I was sort of like, booking a lot of commercial work in New York, booking, you know, these comedy TV shows. And I had always wanted to move to LA. I had always just been like, what if, you know, and, and I got, I got married in New York to my college sweetheart. And, um, 
we both were kind of like, we don't have kids. We're not trying to have kids for a while. Let's just move. Let's go somewhere else and see what's up. Um, and all of our closest friends, almost all of our closest friends live in LA. And um, yeah, I talked to my, my New York commercial agents um, and they were like, well, we can set you up with an interview with our office in LA and we'll see how it goes. And they decided to sign me out here too. And so I was like, great, like, let's easy peasy. Let's do it. Um, I mean, it was not easy peasy <laughs> by any means. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just was like, let's, why not? Let's see. And I'm very happy I did it. It's been great. So what was life for you as an actress like? just before the pandemic lockdowns of early 2020. Yeah. I mean, we, we had just moved here. So we were, we moved here spring of 2019. So we were here for less than a year before COVID hit. And I was trying to find reps. I, I had only come over with my commercial agent from New York. And so I was looking for a theatrical agent. I was looking for a great manager. Um, trying to meet as many people as possible, you know, in the biz, um, taking UCB LA out here. Um, and just, I, 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 I booked a couple little things. I booked like a, you know, little, uh, like an internet commercial and a couple little things here and there, but I was really more just trying to network and meet people. Um, and then yeah, COVID. But even before then in 2019, I think of anybody who joins TikTok pre-pandemic as an early adopter. Yeah. Your first, your earliest uh, video on your account is from the fall of 2019. You're right. And it's doing impersonations from Downton Abbey. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, so yes, I actually started, so I started putting some stuff on Instagram. Okay. That's what like, I was going to ask. How, how, is, how did this evolve? Yeah. So I, I don't know why, but I, I, you know, what's funny. I actually, when I came out here, I have a couple friends who are also actors from school and we started this sort of little, we call it accountability group. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. My friend Sally started it and she invited a couple of her actor friends and we essentially all were just trying to be like, get your shit out there. Like get your stuff out there. Like, you know, we're all holding each other accountable to, you know, like do something for our craft every day. And one of the girls in the group was like, Mary, you do such good impressions. Like you really should put them on the internet. Like these should be, you know, I, I would do um, sometimes in my Instagram stories, I would do like little impressions or voices or something. And she was like, no, you should make like, put it on your grid, like really do it. And I was like, okay. So I started doing like taking them from my story and putting them onto my main page. And then from there, people really liked it, but I still felt, I don't know. I was like, do people like this? Is this annoying? Like, is this annoying of me to be putting my stuff on Instagram for like my friends who mostly have just seen like dog pictures up of mine up until now? Like really? People love dog uh, pictures. Yeah. Look, we all love a dog picture. (laughs) That's mostly what I was doing, but I think, I just was worried. I think that people would, you know, just be like, ew, I don't want to see this. Um, but people liked it. So I kept doing more and it evolved. It got even more, you know, evolved into, um, me like really doing 
a bunch at a time and like doing impressions of full shows of, of um, all the different characters and stuff. And so I was like, okay. Um, my, and then my, my husband was so into TikTok, like at the very beginning of it all. And he just was like, this is cool. He's, he's in tech and media. And so he's very advertising. So he's very in on like what the platforms are. And so he was like, we would watch TikToks together and I didn't have a TikTok account or anything. Um, but then at a certain point he was like, you know, if you're on Instagram and you're putting your stuff on Instagram, you really should be putting it on TikTok. Like people are doing that now. And so I did. Um, and some of those early ones really didn't get much attention. Um, but then I did something that was like reading Harry Potter in different accents and people had to guess what it was <laughs> and that one got it was my first like um sort of i guess technically viral whatever thing um okay because i remember the the likes coming in for that and being like wait this is crazy like all these people are looking at this video why this is so weird um so that got me my first batch of like you know my little nest egg of followers and sort of snowballed from there it's fascinating to me that, you know, you describe doing impressions for your family, being a big ham, yeah. watching Saturday Night Live, being inspired by people who do all the voices. And yet it wasn't until two years ago mm-hmm. that and your friends and your husband convincing you, yeah. hey, you're an actress. You have reels. Like, you should put these in... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think I just always figured there were people who were better at it than I was or people who really had honed it more than I had. Um, You know, like the Chloe Feynman's of the world and like there are so many impersonation, I mean, impressionists on TikTok and, and Instagram. And I just figured, I don't know, I'm not I'm not I, I didn't think I was at the caliber of those people. So like, why try? Because it's a saturated market, you know. Um, but yeah, honestly, as soon as I just was like, you know what, F it, like, I like doing this. This is fun. So why not just put it on the internet? And if, and if it's not as good as those other people, whatever, but it's fun for me. So I may as well. Um, so so when things started to to take off after the Harry Potter accent challenge, uh, (laughs) I don't know that that's the title. I just made that up. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. How did that, how did that affect what you started to do moving forward? Well, I started doing a lot of accent videos on TikTok, like, um, cause that's something that I had more thought that I was good at was like doing, and I used to also do that for entertainment for my loved ones, um, like doing different jumping back and forth between different accents and so I started making videos like I essentially recreated that Amy Walker YouTube video where she does like 25 accents or something. I kind of challenged myself to do that. And that started, that got traction too. So I was like, Oh, so this is an accent account like, this is what I'm doing on TikTok. is like, they like the different accents. They think that's fun. Um, so I made a bunch of those for a while. And then, um, I don't know. I I had always just had this idea that I wanted to do because I'm, I, I 
find myself, I think part of the reason why I'm good at impressions is because I'm like super perceptive. Like I love just sort of like studying people. And so when I watch movies and TV shows, I'm often like analyzing idiosyncrasies and stuff in my brain. And I had just always noticed that certain actors had very strange ways of moving their mouths when they were acting and not necessarily when they were just like living normal life. (laughs) Um, And I had always wanted to do this like mouth acting thing. And I tried it over the summer. I tried to make a bit the summer before I actually ended up making the mouth acting video. I tried to make a video of mouth acting and I was like, Oh, this kind of doesn't work. Um, But then a couple months later I was like, no, you know what? I want to do it. Cause I was, I was watching parts of the Caribbean and, (laughs) <laughs> Johnny Depp was like just being so bizarre with his mouth movements. And I was like, this is funny. I'm going to put this on the internet. So I did. And that was really when everything went phew, crazy. Right. You get Johnny Depp and Kira Knightley. Exactly. And, two, their, and their mouths and jaws. and Two mouth actors, two very <laughs> strong mouth actors. Yeah. So I was like, let's do it. Uh, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Connecticut. Okay. See, I, I would have guessed that. Because yes, because I was okay. Two reasons. Uh, one, because I'm from Connecticut. I grew oh. up. I grew up uh, in Simsbury, outside of Hartford. Yes. And uh, and for most of my adult life, in, in working in media, in newspapers, and then the internet. But mm-hmm. especially when I was working in newspapers and working at different parts of the country, people could never figure out where I was from. Yeah. They're like, you don't have an accent. Yep. Exactly. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you. But watching your accent challenges with the 25 or 27 different accents, yeah, yeah. there was something about your Fairfield County accent that seemed it seemed like there was something personal happening. <laughs> no, it was a direct impression of <laughs> of, of a friend's mother. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it didn't seem like an exercise. It seemed like it was... It's personal, yeah. It, sure. it, it, it hit you in a certain way, and you had to share this. Yeah, it's world. definitely... It is interesting. I think part of why... I think it is helpful to be from Connecticut, to have a pretty neutral accent in terms of, like, you know, being able to build onto it. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I'm I'm thankful for my my neutral, my lack of accent. It helps me. Yeah, and you know, mouth acting can get you strange gigs, such as talking to morning television in Ireland. Yes, <laughs> isn't that so funny? I well, because what happened? Like, did they see I, Mary Kelly and they're just like, she's one of us? Booker, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They were, they did love the whole, I mean, my, my, my family is, you know, ancestrally, yes, Irish. Mm-hmm. And so my family was thrilled to bits. They were so excited that I was going to be on Irish TV, but yeah, that was my first like, um, appearance on television on like a, you know, morning show. And I think it's because I kind of, after when I had, when I had posted the mouth acting thing onto TikTok and it went viral Someone, an Irish guy named Declan Cashin, who's um, on Twitter. I think he like works for Twitter or something. Um, He posted my TikTok to his page and it went crazy in the UK and Ireland. And so I think 
that maybe was the first sort of like group that was, you know, wanting to chat with me and excited about me um, in terms of like media and stuff. So yeah, I'm big in the UK. Besides that and this, what's the, <laughs> what's the strangest gig that's come out of strangest your gig. TikTok fame? Honestly, God, I mean, I, I do get a lot of, you know, sort of random um, requests in my DMs from people to do, I mean, look, I've asked for like foot pictures, which, you know, of course, all, most women on the internet are asked for. <laughs> um, but I, I got the strangest like gig or request. Honestly, oh, Someone wanted me to do like um, voices of animals or something. And I was like, I don't think I can. That's not quite in my repertoire. Like okay. literal, like in voice. I'm not talking like I'm a tiger, like literally like growls and sounds. Mm-hmm. So I remember being kind of like, okay, that's interesting. People are kind of stretching me out a little bit here. But honestly, everyone's been pretty cool. Like, no one's been weird and, you know, people have been weird, but no one's been like, (laughs) do this gross, weird thing for me. Right. Um, But I take it your answer tells me that you don't have a cameo. I do have a cameo. Oh, okay. Because that's that's geared toward, hey, give me some money and I'll I'll say whatever you want and whatever accent you want. You know, I'm trying to think of any weird cameos I've gotten. They've all been pretty wholesome and nice. Mm-hmm. Like, ha- say happy birthday as Jennifer Aniston or something. What about what about mm-hmm. corporate America? In terms That's of saying, weird. like, we'll give you $5,000 to say this like this. or Honestly, it's all been very, like, <laughs> I think part of it is, like, I have very, you know, my content's, like, family-friendly content. So I'm not... There, you know, there's not much like crazy shit I'm being asked to do, okay. um, but I am. But there's a lot. I mean, I I been have been asked to do a lot of um, you know TikTok partnerships and stuff, and so all good stuff. You know, all stuff that I'm like, sure, yes, so I'm saying yes to a lot, which is great. And they're paying you in American dollars and not they're paying me in American dollars. crypto. No crypto offers yet. No. Though, you know, I don't know. Maybe I should be Dogecoin or whatever. And of course, there was the the show that you did in October at Caroline's on Broadway. Yes. Yes. How how did you go about since you told me you're you're not, you're not from a stand-up background, but you do have right. improv experience. So, mm-hmm. how did you go about translating what you do? to a comedy club show. Yeah. I mean, I just sort of was like, okay, why don't I just do me? Like, just kind of think about, cause I get, you know, I get asked so many questions all the time about like, you know, I get a lot of DMS being like, how'd you get started? What would your advice be for people who want to do impressions? Like, you know, so many questions. So I was like, why don't I just essentially create, a show that's it was it was essentially half stand up half impressions um where i kind of go through my 
childhood and the impressions I did it as a, as a kid and tell some funny stories from growing up as sort of stand up. Um, and then move into some rapid fire impression type stuff. Um, I actually ended up doing, so I, I auditioned for SNL this year and they, um, you know, you have to do five minutes of your best material. So I sort of developed this, um, it's essentially a monologue kind of where I go into just a bunch of different impressions. Um, I think I ended up doing like 15 or something for the audition. And so I kind of incorporated that into my show and then added, added more. Like, so I think I ended up doing close to 20 or something um, all in one monologue. So that was kind of like the grand finale showstopper thing. Um, and then I played a game. I did like a game of essentially like guess the celebrity. Like I had people before the show put requests in a bucket and at the end, I just like pull them out and do them one after the other. And they would have to yell out who they were. Um, just cause I figured, you know, it's not, it's, it's rare. You get to be in front of a real live audience full of people who like your stuff. So, um, I wanted to hear what they wanted to see. So. And what did you learn from that first show that you want to take with you on the road? I need to look at the requests in the bucket before I do them. I gotta, I gotta weed some out because uh, there were so many, which is great. But I was like, you know, there were a lot of repeated ones, and mm-hmm. there were certain like someone put um, Malcolm X in there like ten times, and so I was sort of like, okay, you know, maybe let's curate these a little bit. Like, of course, I want to do what people want to see, but I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to do Malcolm X ten times. So, um, yeah, I think that was the main takeaway was filter out the uh the requests before I do them um but honestly everything else went really well like I was really just thrilled at the response um you know a couple little joke tweaks here and there like for sure but for the most part it went over swimmingly so no edits (laughs) for myself (laughs) And but you, after my manager will, you know, have notes for me. And but. you mentioned that you did audition this summer for yeah, Saturday Night Live. I did. What what kind of feedback did you get from from Lauren and company? You get no feedback whatsoever. Uh, yeah, I I mean, you you kind of just do your thing, and uh, I mean, they laughed. You know, they laughed, which was great. Did you do that in LA or at in Thirty Rock? Uh, I went to 30 Rock. I went to, yeah, I test screen tested. Um, and honestly it was thrilling. The whole thing was just a thrill. Like I, as I was saying before, I just was, I've always been a big SNL nerd. And so I was just like awestruck to even be there. Um, and yeah, I did, you know, I made it to the screen test and went out there and did my thing on the stage and, like I said, yeah, they laughed and I left and, you know, then they're like, you don't hear anything for weeks. And then they go, okay, here's the new cast. And, you know, you're not in the new cast, which is fine. I mean, honestly, even having just screen tested is major. And just for me to be able to just say that for myself is huge. And it it's exciting for people, you know, when I'm talking to um people in the industry and stuff and working on things here. It's, it's definitely a, um, 
a very validating thing to be able to say it, it, it sort of helps vouch for your talent a little bit. So um, yeah, it was great. But not getting the feedback, just yeah. finding out, do you suppose now that you've had a couple months to, or a month or two to reflect on this, not hearing anything, do you find that better or worse than if Lauren Michaels himself <laughs> gave you criticism? Heavens, my God, I don't know. I mean, I... Or if he said, you're so close, come back next year. Or... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I always love feedback. I love learning. I love, um, you know, workshopping and figuring out how to be the best me and how to make my comedy the best it can be. Um, so I would love feedback, yeah. But I, I, you know, as an actor, you're used to just virtually putting, like cutting yourself open, putting your guts out on the table and then just literally hearing nothing ever about it ever again. Um, so I'm used to it. You know, I, I figured I wouldn't really get much feedback at all, but I guess I just sort of figured just being there was a seal of approval somehow from someone, you know, in the process. And um, I think a lot about, I, I, I didn't have a hard time not taking it personally because um, I've, you know, again, I, I know so much about casting and being an actor and stuff that a lot of it is just about who they already have on the show and what kind of slots they're trying to fill and what kind of talent they're trying to have on. So I knew that since I was there, I was good. Um, it just maybe not what they needed this year. So well, my feedback is, I think you're great. I think you'd be <laughs> great. You. I think you'd be great on Saturday Night Live. Thank you. I think you'd be great on any show. Maybe you should start your own sketch show. Honestly, look, I've, I've, I've had these thoughts of, you know, do, I've, I always, I love the Tracy Ullman show. You know, the Tracy Ullman show. Right. So, I felt like Alternatino was kind of cribbing a little bit from that. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like, I, I love, I love the concept of, um, really being sort of, yeah, the star of your own sketch show and showing just how much range you have, how many impressions you can do and, you know, all the things. So who knows, maybe one day I will, but for now, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, of course, your show would have to be the Mary Elizabeth Kelly show. Yes, of course. I'd have to include <laughs> the middle, the middle name as, you know, no, uh, no sag issues there. Well, but, yeah. well, well, Mary Elizabeth Kelly, thank you so much for joining me. I really, thank I really you. appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was post-produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music was by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. If you enjoyed listening, please check out my Substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com for transcripts, bonus commentary, and expert analysis about comedy, show business, and more. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Bye.